0: Um, So just bear with me a second. I'm going to use this as a stand if I can get it to level out. Can everybody see the surface of this okay? Okay. I'm going to come back to this illustration in a few minutes. Um, I've got a plate here. What's this? A sieve. Okay. What do we use sieves for? What do we use sieves for? To separate things, right? Okay. Good. Everybody see that okay? Jar. Can you see what's in it? It's corn. That's right. So it's kind of a corny illustration. If I can get the lid off. Now, there goes the lid. Can you see what's happening? Can you see? What's happening? I've got salt in here. It's separating the salt from the corn. What would have to happen to the sieve for the corn to pass through? What's that? Bigger holes, holes, that's right. So this particular sieve, what would have to happen for that corn to fall through there? There would be damage, right? Okay, keep that in mind. Um, I want to do a short, um, like, another illustration And I want to say a word, and I want you to tell me the word that you think of immediately. So if I say this word comparison here, if I say black, what do you think of? White. If I say dog? Cat. Okay. Boy? Girl. Red? Blue? Okay. All right. Red, blue. All right. I want to draw a word picture... Around some chapters in psalms and so when you see certain words I want you to immediately think certain thoughts okay Um, and so when we think of the word dark what's the word we immediately think of? light okay in the spiritual sense when you see the word darkness what thoughts, what feelings come to mind? Time to go to bed? Okay. All right. I like that one. But in a spiritual sense, when you see the word darkness, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Evil. Okay. All right. What else? Heaviness. Okay. A little more. Ignorance. Okay. God is needed. Lost. Okay, very good. Lost. So when we see this this term darkness in the Bible, it is used in the Old Testament as separation from the presence of God. All right? When Christ came, he says, I am the light of the world. Darkness then is the absence of Christ in our life. Okay? So when we see this term darkness, separation from God, Another term that they use in the Old Testament that's used in the Old Testament is cut off. Separated from God. Okay. What else? Off. And I just... Oh, okay, there it's back. Forsaken. That's right. Cut off is a biblical term. Forsaken is a biblical term that is the permanent separation from God. If a person was cut off, they had no chance for eternal life. Are you following me? Okay, good. There's another term. Now, when you see this term, I want you to have similar thoughts. The Old Testament talks about, and and for some of you this will be review, for some of you this will be new, a pit. When somebody descended into the pit, and we're all aware of the term pit in Revelation, the bottomless pit, okay? When somebody descends into the pit, what do you think, spiritually? Hopeless, exactly, hopeless. All right, Um, we're going to dig deep into a few chapters in Psalms. Um, All of us love the gospel, and what I want to hear from you right now is if you were to distill the gospel into one sentence, what would that sentence be? Jesus, okay there's a word. what what, what is the gospel? What is the, sh- the the shortest description that we can apply to the gospel? Says that the, cross was the gospel? Okay, Christ, was the gospel? So Christ's birth, his life, his death is the gospel. It's what Christ did for us, right? Okay, in the New Testament, we love the New Testament, the stories about what Christ did for us, right? We relate to that. But I want to submit to you today that most of what the New Testament does when presenting the gospel is appeal to our intellect. Are you following me? In Romans, we see many legal terms about sanctification, justification, right? This appeals to our intellect. But this morning, I want to submit to you that the Old Testament presents the gospel in a way that appeals to our hearts. The force of the gospel in the Old Testament is heartfelt. It touches our heart. It talks greatly about the emotions that Jesus went through. Open your bible to Psalms chapter 22. We're going to talk about the apostle David because David shared the gospel in a way that struck me and was life-changing. So go to go to Psalms chapter 22. And if you can, yeah. I only have a few minutes with you this morning. And there's a lot of material here. And I tried to put it on a slide, but it's too small. Um, I wanted you to see a side-by-side comparison of these chapters. I want to look at the emotions that Jesus felt in this prayer of David. And it is prophetic. We know that this is talking about Christ, and we'll see that in just a second. But very quickly, in this chapter, this prophetic prayer, Christ, and if you, and if you um, question that, let me use this stand. Look real quick at verse 16. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Who in the Bible does that refer to? Whose hands and feet were pierced? Is there any doubt about who this is talking about? Okay. So as we look at this chapter here, it starts out with the words that Christ used when he was hanging on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou, and what's the word? Forsaken. Forsaken. Okay? This is an emotion. Christ felt forsaken of God. Why are you, what? So far from me. Have you ever had this thought that God was ever far from anyone? I cry, verse 2, oh my God, I cry out by day, but you what? Do not answer. Okay? This is Christ's prayer. He's feeling abandoned, ignored, total rejection. Look at verse 6. What does it say? I am a worm. He's not feeling human even. Are you connecting with this? Christ is in a place emotionally where he has deep heart pain. Okay? When you think of the story of Gethsemane, what did Christ go through in Gethsemane? Have you ever thought about his emotions? He said, "My God, my God, why hast thou what forsaken me and if it be possible, what let this cup what was this cup? What was the cup let's go to the let's move down um my guys back there let's move down once." The next section. Okay. We saw Christ's emotion. Now this is Christ's prayer. God he pleads with God to hear and rescue. Pleads in deep emotional distress, reminding God of what? Verse three Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted in you, and what? God delivered them. So, what is Christ doing here? He is appealing to the faithfulness of God in prayer. He is saying, God, you did all of these things for your children. And in Christ, in his humanness, was a child, a son. We call him the Son of God. And he is appealing, he is pleading with God. Remember how you came to the rescue of Jonah, of Abraham, of all of the patriarchs, of the children of Israel when they were in distress. Christ is appealing to the faithfulness of God. His emotional reality. And are you picking up on the words that are, that are used? His emotional reality was that God was had separated himself from Jesus. Okay? Let's move down one more slot. In this chapter, we see God's response to Christ's prayer. To forsake, there was no answer. Silence. And, Jesus, and in this prayer... It says Jesus laid him in the dust of death. Okay. And I want to give you guys homework because there's, it's not possible for me in 20 minutes to lay out the depths of these few chapters in Psalms. So I want you to, to write down, take from, you know, pen and paper and just write down Psalms 22, Psalms 31, Psalms 69 and Psalms 88. Very quickly, let's go to Psalms 31. Can you move over to the next column? Look first at verse 5. Psalms 31, verse 5. What does it say there? Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's right. Where is the only other place where we see this in the Bible? Huh? On the cross. This is talking about Jesus again. In this chapter, we see Christ... The emotion of Christ's pleading. In the in the in the New Testament, we see, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Here in Psalms, we see the thoughts of Christ. We see his emotion. My life is verse ten. My life is consumed by anguish. My years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction down to 12. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. Verse 16. This is an amazing plea of Christ. Let your face shine on me. If he wanted something to shine on him, what was he asking for? The light of the glory of God the presence of god let your life let your light shine on me so what was christ feeling darkness that's right he was feeling darkness he was being sucked in to this darkness to this blackness of separation from god verse 22 in my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight. Now, when we hear this word cut off, what do we think? Permanently separated from God. When was Christ's alarm? The Garden of Gethsemane, right? His emotional reality then was that he was separated from God. And was he indeed separated from God? When Christ took our sins on himself paid the penalty. What is that penalty? Death. And is that the same death that Lazarus faced before Christ resurrected him? No. That death was a permanent death. And so the emotional reality of Christ was that he made the decision... In fact, Ellen White says that he couldn't see through the portals of the tomb. His emotional reality was, this is it. And he loved us enough to say goodbye to his eternal life. He was facing this emotion. Go down one. I commit my spirit, my life, to your keeping. But please be merciful to me. Free me from this trap. These are just, just snippets that I pulled out of this chapter 31 here. There's much more. What was this trap? What was this pit? What Christ was pleading with God? Was there any way for me to go through this death without being separated from you? Can you go through this with me? Let's go to Psalm 69. Okay, Psalm 69. There are a few clues in here. Again, I want you to quickly go to verse nine. What's it say in verse nine? "Zeal for your house consumes me." Where in Scripture do we see the parallel? What is, where a zeal what, what is this zeal for your house consumes me? Cleansing of the temple. That's right. Cleansing of the temple. Now go, go to verse 21. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Where? Where is the only other place in the Bible? On the cross. On the cross again. Very clearly I, would just want to, I just want to read a little bit from here and then again go back to the slide up there. Do not let the floodwaters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit. What is the pit? Total separation from God. Or the pit closes its mouth over me. Answer me. I'm reading in 16, O Lord. Out of the goodness of your love, in your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Again, we see just this little window into the emotion of Christ when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Can you go to the top of the next column? The top of the column for Psalm 69. I am drowning. There is nothing and no one to save me. This was the emotion of Christ. No one to comfort me. I am without help and alone. What happened to Christ's disciples in Gethsemane? They split. In every one of these chapters, it brings this out. All of my friends have abandoned me. Christ was alone. Okay, very quickly, let's go to chapter 88. Is this interesting? Have you ever seen, have you ever thought, what emotion was Christ facing when he was in Gethsemane and on the cross? There's some very, very strong parallels in this chapter and the chapter in Isaiah, I think it's fifty-three, is that correct? Okay. There are some very strong parallels between this chapter and Isaiah fifty-three. I am counted among those who go to the pit. You have put me in the lowest pit. I'm verse six in the darkest depths you have taken me from my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them what emotion did Jesus go through Have we any idea? Have we ever thought? Have we ever tried to see what Jesus did for us? I want you to come back to this illustration. What emotional terror, what mental anguish caused the vessels, the arteries and the veins of Christ to open up so much as to allow red blood cells to pass through. He sweat drops of blood. This had to do with the emotions that he went through. There was a big physical change in Christ. Because of this, we don't have any conception. In fact, there's no words in the human language that can describe the darkness, the pit, the cut-offness. Because none of us have ever experienced this. And that's where this becomes really meaningful to me. Go to the, go to the next slide, the complete next slide. And in fact, it was our scripture reading this morning. This morning. It's Psalms 20, 28, if I remember right. Yes. Psalms 28, verse 6. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength, my shield. My heart trusts in him. And I am helped. My heart leaps for joy. And the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the Bible says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Everything, that Christ pleaded for, God freely gives us everything. And I'm running out of time, so I'm going to have to shorten some things that I don't didn't want to leave out, um, but I'm going to I'm just going to have to cut them out. Um. Anybody here ever lose a child? I know that's true. Anybody ever hear lose a baby, an infant? I know that's true. When that life was slipping away, we're tempted. We're tempted to think some, for some reason, somehow, we're, we're, God has separated from us. We have this proof. I, I, can't, I can't put it in strong enough words. We have this proof that God is with us. It doesn't matter what you're facing in life. It doesn't matter. In this room, there's people that have gone through marital problems. There's people that have struggled with their kids. They've, they've prayed. They've pleaded with, in fact, Risi, if I can use you. This morning when when you were sharing before we had prayer. Does God get tired of hearing our prayers? Um, Does God get tired? We have this proof. And the proof is, it's because he put his son in the pit. The proof is, it's because he put his son in blackness, in darkness, in desperation. We are not. We are not. See, we go through hard times. We get discouraged. And Satan comes to us. And he wants us. He tempts us to think. That somehow. We're where Jesus was. We are where Jesus was. We're not. We are not. Do I have time for a short story? Do I? Okay. Andy, I'm going to use the name Andy because that's what would be used nowadays. It was Anders. Um, Andy Eriksson was a sea captain. He lived in Norway, in the Lofoten Islands. And early in 1880s, 1883, 1884, spring came early to Norway. And he and his crew got in this ship, their, their, their uh, fishing vessel. They went out into the sea around the Lofoten Islands. And it was a good day. It was the first day after winter that they had been able to go out and go fishing. It was an excellent day for fishing, and they were getting a good catch. And they worked hard all morning long, and they took a break for lunch, went right back to work. And they wanted to work as long as possible, so they pushed the clock. About the time that it it was to go back to port, a wind came up, and very quickly that wind turned into a hurricane, and their ship was totally beaten to pieces, and the crew was lost, except for Andy and two other young men. And let me ask you, do you guys go to Norway because of the nice tropical warm weather? Water? No. Okay? These three guys were hanging onto a timber in the water with a hurricane blowing over the top of them. Every wave was threatening to break their grasp. And they spent the entire night in the water. And let me tell you, the water temperature was only a few degrees above freezing. And they... But... During that night, there's not much chance we're going to survive. Daylight came. All through that night, Andy was praying, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And he repeated this prayer. The next day came and went. No help. They went through another night. And they thought, surely there's no way that they're going to survive in this cold, icy water. The next morning, there was a small rowboat close by. And, and Andy made his way with the, the beam that they were hanging onto to, to the rowboat. He got in after several tries and he helped his friends get in. Okay? There was some fresh water in that rowboat. And that's all. They drank the water. And because of exposure, because of no food for several days... They fell unconscious. And they were unconscious in that boat for the next three days and three nights. And during that time, the wind was driving them all the way up the coast of Norway, around the top of Norway, into the white sea. And there was a fishing vessel that left the port, Archangel. And they discovered these guys the bottom of the boat and only Andy was still alive only Andy was still alive and Andy was my great great grandfather it's not coincidence that the wind drove them all the way to a port called archangel archangel jesus jesus There was no chance that 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 he survived those temperatures for that long. There was no chance. It doesn't matter what we're facing. And I'm going to close with this last verse. Go to the very last slide. Ah, stop there just a second. This is the fishing village that Andy lived in. In summertime, there's still snow on the hills. Um, and then the last slide. There is their fishing boat. Deuteronomy thirty three twenty seven. Someone read that for me, please. The eternal God is your refuge, underneath. Are the everlasting arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Doesn't matter what you're going through. And this, was, this is why, this is my closing thought. This is why it's so painful to the heart of God when we complain, when we murmur, when we get discouraged. Because those are the emotions of somebody in the pit. And my prayer is that this gospel. In the Old Testament, reaches your heart. And that you can stand firm on the promises of God. Whenever, No matter what happens, we're going to face hard times soon. We are not cast off. We are not cast off. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the presence of your Holy Spirit here my words, it's impossible for them to reach a human heart. But Lord, your spirit does. And your spirit reached my heart. And Lord, and I pray that it reached another heart because all of us face discouragement at times. All of us are tempted to feel cast off. But Jesus, you did it for us. You did it for us. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.